We've been kind of joking a little bit about uh, the Colossian Christian Church. We've been kind of nicknamed like it's uh, CCC, right? And uh, no parallels there, right? <clears throat> uh, so there are some. And um, uh, maybe you remember on uh, week one, we were uh, talking a little bit about uh, uh, Paul is writing to the church there, and, and he says, hey, I've heard of your uh, heard of your faith. It's a strong faith, an outstanding faith. And then maybe you remember in week two, in chapter two, um, he uh, communicates uh, to the church there. He says, uh, I want you as a church, uh, as a church body, I want you to be uh, deep-rooted. I want you to be deep-rooted in your faith. I don't want you to be hollow and fall for uh, hollow philosophies. And so we're going to continue this morning in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start with uh, verse 1, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And so you can follow along if you've got your phone or your Bible with you, however you take a look at that. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 starts off this way. It says this. Are you ready? Here we go. It says, Since then, since what? Since you accepted Christ as your Savior. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts. Everybody kind of go, my heart, my heart, my heart. It says, set your heart on things above. Say things above. Things above. Okay. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. Say seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, kind of tap your head, do one of these things. Set your minds on uh, on things above, not on earthly things. Things, things, things. Not on earthly uh, things. For you died, say, I died. I died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Where, uh, When Christ, who is in your life, okay, is your life, is your life, says my life, and so first you died, then now you have this new life. It says that when Christ appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And I'm going to read all of that without all of the little stops and starts in there. Here we go. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Here's the question. What does it mean to uh, set your mind on things above? What does it mean to set your heart on things above. What does that mean? What does that mean? We're just told to do it. What does that mean? Does that mean that we should not be worldly? I mean, you, you know the world, right? I mean, they, they drink alcohol, right? And we know the world, they, they smoke cigarettes, right? So we can't be worldly. I mean, they might go see a movie that, uh, you know, maybe you wouldn't sit down and watch that movie with your grandma, right? They might go do that. And they might listen to some, some rock and roll, right? And so you, you cannot be worldly, right? If you set your heart and your mind on things above, what does that mean? Don't be worldly, right? Well, does that mean then, uh, now we have license, right? That means that we can be self-righteous. Uh, that means that we can be Pharisaic, right? Uh, that means we can be judgmental. And that what that means? Uh, we can sort of cast judgment on people that are out there. What does it mean? What does it mean to have our hearts and our minds set on things, things above? Well, I'm going to kind of see if we can illustrate that just a little bit. Because clearly, the uh, the world has got a position, right? The world kind of has a position. 
And uh, then those of us that are Christ followers, we, uh, we are to sort of have a position as, as well, right? Because uh, Jesus is seated at, seated at the right hand of God. So here's a cross over here. And uh, so if I am a Christian, uh, I, I cannot be a part of the world, okay? Because uh, I crossed that line and said I want to be a Christ follower. And so I, I, clearly what I need to do in my life is I need to sit here and I need to ignore the world and I need to give my full uh, devotion and commitment uh, to things that are above where Christ is seated and next to God. That's what I'm supposed to do because we all know uh, that the world has clearly uh, said that they want nothing to do with God and they are moving away from him. And so is this the way that we are to position ourselves or are we supposed to do what Jesus did? Because I think when we study scripture, I think what, what Jesus did is he said, uh, I am the son of God and he's perfect, never sinned, never once, never, ever, 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 ever sinned. I mean, how many of us can relate to that, right? Uh, never, ever, ever. So clearly he had his heart and his mind and his life committed to the father. But he was known as a friend sinners. He touched the lepers. Mind, life, heart, and things above. What does it mean to have our mind, life, and heart set on things above? I think this is actually a mischaracterization of the world as well because I think that the world sits here and it looks out at all of the things that the world has to offer. A lot of fun out there. A lot of very attractive things out there. Satan is very deceptive. He's elusive. He uh, roams around like a lion looking. He can, he can devour. And, and he presents all of these uh, things to the world. And yet, I'm also convinced that everyone in the world at a point in time in their life, uh, they, they get to this place in their life uh, where... Maybe it's in a nature experience, and they're out and they're experiencing the beauty of nature, and maybe they come to a, sort of this kind of questioning in their minds. Well, it's not just all the world. I mean, clearly something this outstanding, this beautiful, and this is clearly not an accident. There must be more. There must be something beyond this world. And, and maybe maybe it's through a very difficult time of crisis that they're going on in their life, and they're going, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be. And maybe they're attending a funeral of a loved one, and, and they hear something, and they, and they so desperately want for there to be more than just this life. And they come to a position and a place in their life. And So what does it mean to be mindful and heart-filled with things above? I think if we look at Jesus, we'd say we are called to be seated or sit with Christ, but like Jesus, extend a reach to the lost, to sinners. Firmly planted on this side, but reaching over, trying to draw people in. And where would we get that idea? I think that that is a very biblical idea because, in fact, that's what Jesus did. A sit with Christ. Write that down in your bulletin. A sit with Christ, reach for sinners because Christ commanded it. The Great Commission. 
uh, go into all the world, you know, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey everything, reach, reach into, bring people into a saving knowledge of Jesus. And because Christ is the only way to salvation, John 14, 6, you know, that, that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what uh, took place. And God sent Jesus. Jesus came to this earth to save the world. That's why he came to this world, was to save the world. John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he came to save us from the world. And so what does it mean to, uh, to have our, our, our hearts and our minds and our life set on things above? Clearly, it, uh, it means sit with Christ, but reach to the world. And so there is the license. There is the freedom. That's how we get to now dabble in the alcohol. And that's how we now we get to chew the tobacco. And that's how we now get to enjoy the rock and roll and the dancing, right? Because we're supposed to be a part of that world. I mean, there's loopholes there, right? What's a loophole? What's a loophole? Do you know what a loophole is? Do you know what a loophole is? What's a loophole? What's a loophole? Do you know what a loophole is? Anybody out there? Here's a picture of a loophole. Let's see if we can bring up a picture of a loophole. This is a loophole. And it comes from the Dutch word. The Dutch word. Not, I don't speak Dutch. And... Uh, um, but uh, according to the hyphen, the, the, I don't know, the spelling of it, or the hyphenated, the, hyphenated the, the, what's that called? What's it called when, they, when they, they plot it out there so that you can say it? Anybody? What? I don't know what it's called either. Let's move on. Erase that. Scratch that. They're going to edit that right out of the thing. And so here's the, I don't know how I don't speak Dutch, but here's what my understanding of the Dutch word is uh, for loophole, it's like lapole. Or something like that. What is a loophole? It's that. It's those tiny little slits in the castle wall. That is a loophole. And so here's this fortified city with big, thick walls that separate from the from the outside to the inside. But then there are these little slits that are there, right, for the archers to be able to, you know, kind of fire arrows at. Or so if you're trying to sneak into the castle, you're going to be looking for the loopholes. If you're trying to get out of the fortified place, you're going to be looking for the loopholes. These tiny little places that you can sneak through. And so scripture clearly gives us these loopholes that we can now dabble in sin, right? Because Jesus says, we get, he, in fact, knows, focus as hard as mine. What does it mean to have your heart on things above? But Jesus reached back across him. We can jump into all of those things too, right? Isn't that what, isn't that the loophole? Paul continues in the very next verse, verse 5. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. He says this. Put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he does the favor of listing a few things in case we didn't know. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires. Jesus addressed that when he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus said, if your eyes cause you to sin, gouge them out better for you to go through this life without a hand, without your eyes, than it is to fall into the trap. And that's hyperbole. Jesus does not literally want us to go and take an axe to our hand or gouge out our eye, but he is impressing upon us the importance. You don't get away with that one. You need to understand it's a big deal in the kingdom of God that we are to, uh, to put to death 
sexual immorality. And then he, and he says greed, which is idolatry. What is idolatry? I'm supposed to be focused on the cross and everything that the cross represents. I'm supposed to lean my life into those things. But the world is over here and it's so attractive and it calls all of these other things. And so sometimes I'm tempted to just say, uh, well, uh, Jesus, I'll get right back to you. But first I want to pursue this or this or this or this. And that's what idolatry is, is when I uh, place the worship of anything else and I put it in front of Jesus. And he says, you got to put, put that to death. That has to die in you. Verse 6, he says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, he says, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself. Say rid yourself. Now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger and rage and malice and slander. You know what slander is? Slander is the desire to hurt somebody else. Have you ever been so filled with rage and anger that you just really wanted to get revenge? You really, really wanted to get a revenge because you thought that person was your friend and they have turned their back on you. You used to care about that person and you thought they cared about you, but they have betrayed you. They have stabbed you in the back. Have you ever laid in bed at night just kind of wondering, is there any way that I can get, get away with going to their house and just chucking a brick through their window? Have you ever just kind of laid in bed at night thinking, can I get away with just slitting their tires because they need to pay for what they have done to me. They have wronged me. They have wronged me. Rid. 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 No wonder. No wonder he follows that up with, and no filthy language from your lips. Control the tongue. Don't let it slip. Put it to death. Rid yourself. Don't lie. Don't lie to each other. Don't go around. Don't go around acting like I got my life all together and, and uh, you know it's too bad you don't because mine is. And don't don't lie. Kill it. Rid it. Since you have taken off the old self with its practices. Rid yourself. Okay, here's a picture, just to make you feel good. I can see this. You guys know what that is? Lice. Lice. Singular louse. Lice. Lice. And uh, I don't know if you guys enjoy having head lice. It's just one of those things that you kind of, you know, you look forward to every once in a while. And uh, you know what they are, they're, they're tiny little bugs and they kind of get up right up in here behind your ears and they kind of live back in there, right? And they crawl around and you know they feed on your scalp, right? You know, that's what they do. They just kind of, they kind of, they, they live off of you. They suck your blood and they live back in there. And um, we've had head lice go through our house and maybe you've had head lice go through your house and, and uh, you just kind of enjoy that experience, you know, and kind of just relish in that for a little while. And, and uh, you know what this product is, right? This picture here is, uh, and, and so you know how that works, right? You know how that works. And so you got to get the shampoo and uh, you got to, you got to, you got to do the, uh, the shampoo and you rub that all into your hair. And, and you then, then you got to put the bag on top of your head and you just let that soak while the chemicals in it begin to kill the bugs that are walking around on your scalp and laying their eggs at the, at the root of your hair, right? That's what you do. That's what you do. 
And then, and then you let that sit there for a while, and finally you get to take that bag off of uh, your head, and then uh, you kind of rinse out those chemicals, and, and then you get the comb, right? And you kind of part all of your hair to one side, and then very slowly you bring, you bring it, bring it kind of back, and you put that little comb through it, and you kind of like, dude, look, there's one, they're dead, right? And then you kind of, you see that little nip that's down there by your scalp, and you kind of, you know, pop it off of the hair follicle there, and you know, and you, you've done this before, right? You've got to go into the bedroom and you got to take the sheets off of the bed and then you got to and you take the pillowcases off and you put them in the dryer and you put it on super cook for like 20 minutes and you hope that they all go away, right? You know what that's like. You you understand what it is to rid yourself. Rid yourself of sin. Write that down. Rid 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 yourself of sin. Rid yourself of sin. Rid yourself of sin. C.J. Mahaney said this. He said, The greatest challenge of Bible-believing Christians is not persecution from the world, but seduction by the world. There are not people running around right now trying to gather up Christians and persecute them, but the world is changing and I believe that it's changing us and it's changing the culture and it changes the culture that we live in and it changes the church and the people in the church and these things take place all around us all the time. It never stops moving further and further and further away from the kingdom of God. And we're in a boat. We're trying to go upstream. I, so the Democratic National Convention was this week. I don't know if you watched that or didn't watch that. And the Republican convention is this week. And, and just, just like the Republicans, the Democrats have, uh, they've got groups and camps, right? There's, there's people that uh, support uh, the Democratic Party and the decisions that they make. And maybe it's a union, strong union group or, uh, you know, or whatever the case may be. The same thing is true for the Republicans over here. And uh, there is the, uh, uh, there's a group called the Muslims for the Democrats. And there's, I, I don't know, there's probably Muslims for Republicans over here. And then there's the LGTB uh, or Q group uh, that is for the Democrats. And there's the LGBT group that is for the uh, uh, for the Republicans, and and so there's these groups. And so this week during the Democratic uh, National Convention, uh, maybe maybe you saw this. I didn't see it. I heard the news story. And uh, but uh, there was a couple of groups that uh, th these groups, different groups, are getting this week to you know kind of caucus and to put their vote for uh, to sort of push their candidate across the the line for the the election that's coming up and all these kind of things. And uh, two of these groups, one of them was a, a Democratic Muslim group, one was a Democratic LGBT group, and they started off, all of, the, all of the groups started off their meetings when they get together by saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And these two particular groups, they said the Pledge of Allegiance this way. They said, I pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And it kind of hit the news cycle a little bit, and there was people that, and it was very intentional and very deliberate. It's like, well, God's not our thing. And we see more and more and more and more of that in our culture. It's kind of turning away all the time. And so the culture that we live in is more and more godless. And according to Forbes magazine and according to the uh, National Psychiatric Association of America, um, pornography is coming into our world more and more and more and uh, 
there are case studies of five-year-olds being introduced to it and eight-year-olds being introduced to it. It's everywhere. If you got a cell phone, you've got access to, you know, all the porn probably ever that's ever been created. It's all right there, and they're discovering, you know, that about the natural the the uh, the, uh, the national average age of uh, sort of tapping into pornography is about 13 years old, and and so people are discovering that more and more and more and more and. It's becoming less and less, uh, you know, outrageous or, you know, whatever. It's just becoming more mainstream. And I talked a couple of weeks ago about a very, very popular television show, uh, um, uh, Stranger Things. Some of you guys said, what? Yeah, Stranger Things. Probably can go into most of the junior high schools in America and say, hey, did you watch Stranger Things on, on Netflix? And they'd say, yeah, I saw that. And uh, what's interesting about that was when I was uh, 17 years old and I wanted to go see a rated R movie, uh, I had to show them an ID. <laughs> um, nowadays, you know, kids probably don't go to the movies anymore. They can stream whatever they want on, on TV and they would just watch streaming. And, and uh, if you were to watch Stranger Things, you would learn that uh, the vocabulary that is in uh, Stranger Things is probably not something you're going to sit down and watch with grandma, right? Now, when I was a kid, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so old and uh, I'm young to some of you, but but I'm so old. Uh, I can remember. I can remember way back, you know, when uh, Gilligan's Island, you know, Gilligan's Island's still on TV, and, and the Brady Bunch is still on TV. But you know what's interesting about that is back in the day, Gilligan's Island and Brady Bunch, I have no idea the sexual orientation of any of those people that are on there. I just kind of looked and saw and took it in. I have no idea if any of those people ever slept with each other on any of those shows. But today you turn on a program and... That's kind of a frontline story. And so the culture just kind of moves away and a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit farther. And then uh, the number one show on Netflix here just over the you know last summer here was Tiger King, Tiger King, right? Everybody's watching Tiger King. Everywhere we went, Tiger King. It's not rated R. It's rated TVMA. See, they can do that as TVMA. And that just means that it's rated R, but... When you turn it on, it's, you, you don't have to kind of jump over that hurdle. You just kind of jump in. So then everybody can watch the rated R movie and, and just kind of listen to that. And, you know, you listen to that language and it just kind of begins to in there. And then all of a sudden it kind of is looping in the back of your mind a little bit. And that's a culture. That's a culture. Paul says, set your mind and your heart and your life on things above and put to death, put to death all of these other things. But I find myself living in the culture and I watch Tiger King and I watch Stranger Things. And then I realize that I'm hearing this language that's in there and it's looping in the back of my mind. And I'm going, Steve, I, 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 I'm probably not supposed to be, but it's just, that's what everybody, and it just seems kind of normal. and. Paul says this in Romans chapter 7. I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. 
who will rescue me from the body of death? And then, fortunately for all of us, Paul answers the question. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then in the next verse of Colossians, as we're making our way through chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says this, he says, in Christ we, we get to do this, in Christ we get to do this. He says, put on the new self, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator. Put that on. Take that on as your identity. Take that on into your life. And then listen to this very, very, very good news. In the very next verse, verse 11, he says this, he says, in the church family, we're church, we're the folks that we said, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. And so we've come and we're gathered here today, and he says this, at church family and Christ followers, he says this, here there is no Greek or Jew. You know what that means? Um, there is no uh, politics of identity when it comes to, uh, to race. Uh, there's no such thing as the, there's the Greeks and there's the Jews and uh, there's the African Americans and then there's the other Americans and, the, and all that stuff. He says, that stuff doesn't exist when it comes to uh, this body here. He says you get rid of all of those names. He says there's the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Well, uh, that would have been in this church. Uh, that would have been uh, these distinctions within the body of Christ, within those people that were focused on Jesus Christ. Uh, there were disagreements and, you know, how often, uh, you know, should you have communion or not have communion? And what is the proper way to be baptized you know and they would kind of have these discussions and and you know there's these things that can we eat meat or not eat meat these things it says no, we're going to put those things aside because we're new people in christ we're not going to claim those things should we play music or not have instruments those things are not going to be our identity and he says this, he says there are barbarians and scythians he says there are slaves and free slaves and free and in that culture uh, that would have been more significantly represented as uh, today employer and employee or so socioeconomic differences. Those things weren't, they are not to be there when it comes to the body of Christ. He says, get rid of all of those things. Make all of that go away when it comes to the body of Christ. And he says, do this. He says, but Christ is all and is in all. We have no more earthly identity. The only identity that we now have is not sinner and not sinner and the righteous and the unrighteous and the saved and the unsaved and those who are good and those who are bad and those who are very, very good and those who are, are too worldly. None of that, all of that goes away. The only job we have as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, is to help each other. That's our identity. We're to help each other, right? Write that down. We're to help each other. Help each other be more like Christ. Help each other rid ourselves of sin because I know who I am. I'm a guy that kind of wants to do life and do it well, but every once in a while, I look down, I see a louse. I pick it up. I kind of put it back here and I say, well, you can live there for a while. I'll let you live there. Just don't multiply. Don't grow. Don't... I need help. 
And I believe that brothers and sisters in Christ are to help one another. We're not to be self-righteous looking over each other. We're to have our mind and our heart and our life in Christ as we look back and we say, those people are sinners just like me and we are called to lift each other up and build one another up. Romans chapter 12 says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Honor one another above yourself. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Colossians, moving a little bit further down in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Encourage one another. And build each other up. That is the call that we have as Christians. What does it mean to be to have our heart and our mind and our life focused on Christ? As we thank Jesus for the salvation that we have. And we reach out and we pick up everybody else that we can. And we haul them up towards the cross with us. So do these three things. Number one, confess your sins to God. Number two, accept the forgiveness that comes from God. Number three, fight. Get in the fight. Engage the battle. Cling to the cross. Grab a hold of everyone you can and march on towards the cross. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what your spiritual journey is, but here's what I can tell you. Life is better when we are focused on the cross. It gives us a perspective of this world and its temporary nature. It gives us a perspective of this life and its temporary nature. And it helps us to do life better. We're called to love. We're called to be kind. We're called to be patient. But we can't do that without the help of the cross and our brothers and sisters. I don't know what your journey in life is, but if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I would encourage you to reach out to somebody that knows Jesus and ask what it means to be baptized into him and then make that appointment to be baptized and to surrender your life into Jesus Christ and to accepting him as King and Lord of your life. If that's a decision that you need to make, find somebody that knows Jesus have that conversation and get that done. If you already know Jesus as your Savior, reach out, get into the fight, and move towards the cross. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus. Help us to live more fully in Him. We need your help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.